Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello, everyone. You are listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. I am Jordan Hall, and as always, I am joined by the wonderful Taryn Hatcher. Taryn, the Flyers are coming off a pretty devastating, crushing loss. It might have been the new low point of their season. Mike Yo was very frustrated after the game. He started talking about the next thing to get his message through. He might have to start scratching players, move them to the fourth line. He talked about doing it with vets, younger players. There was obvious clear frustration and emotion. Nobody should blame him. We know how the game unfolded, but real quickly, the Flyers had a one-goal lead on the Canadians. They allowed a shorthanded goal in the final minute and then lost in overtime. The Canadians came in with the fewest points in the league. It was just a bad loss all the way around, especially with how it finished. Taryn, were you happy to see Mike Yo's frustration? Uh, was that a good thing, a bad thing? And how do you think the team kind of comes back from this? I don't know if it's good or bad, but um, I was a little surprised because I've seen him like pretty irritated before. But I I said it on on postgame on air, too. It's one of those things where your parent is so mad that they don't even yell at you. You can just sense how angry they are without them even yelling. And it was I mean, it was kind of it was warranted for the way that one went down. Um, but it's just the part of it that's tough too, is that he, even in the midst of it, because this is the situation the flyers are in, he was like, you know, we're going to have to move guys down to fourth line, limit ice time, scratch guys, whatever. And even as it came out of his mouth, he goes, well, actually we have to see how many bodies we have available. I don't even know if we can do that. Something along the lines of that. And that's so true. I mean, that's literally where this team is at, is that like if they really want to healthy scratch a veteran to send a message, they they might not physically be able to do so. Um, so, yeah, it wasn't surprising, but it was certainly I don't know if you could say it was good or it was bad, because I don't know at this te- at this point if th- there's nothing Mike's going to say that is going to like be the the fix and there's nothing that mike's going to say that's going to be what wrecks the team like they've dug themselves such a a hole in terms of how games are getting away from like i don't i do care about wins they all care about wins but the more concerning thing to me is like the culture of games getting away from them and that's become really consistent in a bad way and you you just don't want that for like the young guys that are going to come up and have auditions and so on and so forth um that being said i think 
honestly, once this trade deadline comes and goes, and it and it probably does become more of an audition for players moving forward, I, I am excited to see how that competition goes. Um, because at that point, you're really you're playing for your spot on the team next season as well. And I wonder if maybe that's the added motivation for some of the younger guys. I mean, it might seem mad at the vets, so that's kind of its own thing. But um, yeah, it wasn't his comments weren't surprising, especially the comment about wanting to scratch people and not knowing if you're even able to. I don't think they are. Exactly. And today, after practice, he was a bit critical of his own comments. He came out and he thought it was sort of a stupid thing to say without looking at the full game. And so he kind of walked it back a little bit. Not a ton, but he did come out. Do you agree with that? Yeah, and that that's why it was funny. I think a lot of people were debating about, like, man, why do you do that? Like, a lot of fans that obviously are probably really ticked off probably loved his energy and his passion and how mad he was. And he thought, you know. They probably all thought the vets deserved the good earful and benchings and all that fun stuff. I was okay with Mike Yo being frustrated, but he's clearly in that moment, he's making inflammatory comments. He's talking on pure emotion and frustration. And in reality, they just don't have the really the luxury to bench guys, to scratch guys. I mean, two of the culprits maybe on that play, one, Derek Broussard on that on that shorthanded goal against. Derek Broussard, he's a trade chip. He needs to play. And then Travis Sandheim's probably the other one. And he's been arguably the team's best defenseman. Are you really going to sit the guy because he had one hiccup, one bad play? So I was okay with Mike Gill coming out today and saying, yes, listen, I, I was speaking on emotion. And obviously, you know, I don't feel – I don't hate all these guys. I, I'm Like, I, I was on emotion. So I thought it was I, – I stick my – tap my stick to him. I thought it was good that he took some blame for it and said it's a learning experience for him as well. There's been a lot of frustration that has mounted throughout all of this, and that was kind of a tipping point. It kind of pushed him over the edge. But I also had no qualms with him being frustrated after a game like that and kind of coming out and sending a mini message. Maybe some players saw that and said, listen, our coach is pretty ticked off after that one. Let's get our butts in gear here next game and make sure that doesn't happen again. So I understand both sides of it. I wasn't really mad that Mike Yo came out and said, listen, I was a little emotional there. Um, he was. That's what it was. He was speaking on emotion and not really reality. And, and yeah. I was okay with that term. Well, I and I was going to say, if if you if you tell me I can only take one of the two press conferences, the one where he's flipping out or the one not flipping out, that's the one where he's very mad yeah. or the one where, because he certainly didn't flip out. He was very almost like eerily even note throughout it but he was mad the one where he's mad or the one where he's walking it back i would take the one where he's mad to be honest with you mm -hmm. because it was appropriate for the situation you know what i mean like um i get why he walked it back i think that's probably the right move with this group is to either internally walk it back but i'm sure it means more to them to see him externally kind of say like, you know, to be fair to Derek Broussard, Derek Broussard played pretty tough for, you know, chunks of that game. And to your point, he's a trade ship who hasn't played a lot. So he really needs to play now. Um, and Travis Anheim has been their best defenseman. So, you know, 
I'm sure in terms of, I wonder if him walking it back had to do more with the actual players involved in kind of the fall apart. Cause Cole Caulfield in overtime gets on the ice, ropes a shot, lasers a shot. And I don't know what else you do there, but um, in terms of the game tying goal that sent it to overtime, I don't, I don't think you get mad at, like you said, if you're talking about the veterans, you want to, hold accountable. I, I mean, Travis Sanheim is maybe the last guy that would need to be held accountable behind Scott Lawton, who's not available to play right now. So, um, yeah, I, I didn't think it was, I'm not surprised he did that because Mike is a coach that I feel like players like, and they respect. And part of that is because he handles himself this way. Like if he's going to hold you accountable publicly, he's going to hold himself accountable public publicly for anything he didn't feel hundred percent about. And I'm guessing he went home, calmed down, didn't feel 100% about it. And so he gets ahead of it today. Um, but, yeah, it's it, just a tough spot to be in if you're him. I mean, I know we've said that all season, but. Yeah, it'd be one thing, right, Taryn, if they're a contending team that's maybe had a little bit of underachievement, but they're still in the playoff. Like, you have, a, you have some cushion to maybe make a loud move like that. But the Flyers at the bottom of the standings, they have the trade deadline coming up in less than a week now. And like, they don't have a lot of guys. So like, they're not really in a position to like, Mike Yo's not in a position to really do anything like that super loudly. It just wouldn't make a lot of sense. And I thought he got his message through and now it's move on to the next one. And he is, he's a player's coach. So I think he's trying to strike the balance of, he was frustrated a hundred percent. It was a laughable finish. That sequence was laughable. It was brutal. It kind of summed things up. It was bad. So I, I don't fault him for speaking on emotion, but he can't be angry all the time. I mean, he can't bench, mm -hmm. you know, he can't bench every single vet. It's just drive himself, the team, the front office, everybody crazy if he tries to operate that way. Right, exactly. So his job is to stay positive, turn the page, be hard on guys, but also uh, teach and, and, try to learn from mistakes. And he admitted it, it was a learning experience for him, uh, the, the way he was talking after the game. He was frustrated. So uh, Flyers have to push forward here. Taryn, they have a pretty notable game on Thursday night. Claude Giroux is a thousandth game, all with the Flyers. Truly an all-time great Flyer, in my opinion. Do you think maybe the Giroux honor, the milestone, the pregame ceremony, that could spur them a little bit, Taryn, of we had a brutal loss, let's win this game for Giroux. I mean, it better. <laughs> like, you kind of, if I'm his teammate, I'm like, guys, I don't care what you do for the rest of these 20-some-odd games. For this game, you have to come out everything you got yeah. because it's it's not even a, it's not even about you. Like, I get it's about the team all the time. Drew will say it's about the team, whatever. It, it's That night is, is about 14 years of work um, and, um, and a historic career within the franchise. Um, and it's, we talked about it, Al and I, last post game live. It is very bittersweet that this is how it's going down for him, right? That it's amidst all this crap and, you know, and a lot of it's, some of it's stuff that's self-inflicted by the Flyers and some of it's just external crap that just bad luck and sucks. And it stinks that he's achieving all these milestones and doing all these things amidst all of that as well, because you don't feel like you can celebrate and he really deserves to be celebrated. 
Um, but if I'm, you know, if I'm, and I'm sure they will, but if I'm like, like a Kevin Hayes in that locker room and I know I'm a leader and people like me and whatever, I'm sitting there looking at everyone and being like, Hey, tonight is about number 28. And if there's anything we can do for number 28 is get him a win here. So his 1000th game as a flyer is celebrated properly with a win, what he deserves for the career he's put together here. And I'm sure some, I'm sure somebody in the locker room will do that. I mean, I'm just using Kevin Hayes as an example, cause that's the first thing that came to mind, but um, it's hard, but it, uh, it's hard to tell as well, because there are nights where this team looks like they get up and the effort is there and this and that, and so on and so forth. And it still doesn't break their way. You just kind of hope that this is one of the nights where they, they do all that and, and stuff just breaks their way as well. So true. You would think that should galvanize them a little bit. Uh, if there's ever a time right now to really play for Claude Drew, play for your captain, uh, it's right now. So uh, let's see if the Flyers can do that. Flyers Talk is brought to you by Great Railing. Stop into Great Railing for the highest quality and lowest prices on all your railing, decking, and fencing needs. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel? It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Yeah, Taryn, I think everyone really had this date circled once the Claude Drew trade chatter started, once this season was clearly off the rails and that reality of Drew possibly being on the move, if not very likely being on the move, this date was circled because it comes four days before the trade deadline where it can really almost be a proper send-off to Drew if he is moved, if he does waive his no-clause, his no-move clause, and if the Flyers follow through on trading him. Uh, I don't think anyone really knows for sure what's going to happen other than Claude Drew and those that are really, really close to him. So we will have to wait and see, but I do think it's an ideal way to really send him off. Uh, I think the best way to send him off would have been if the season was a good one for the Flyers and they can make a run in the playoffs, uh, depending on where they would have been at come free agency when he can hit free agency. But this is the reality the Flyers are in, and in a thousandth game and a ceremony and some some ways to say thank you for <laughs> his whole life, really his whole pro career being in this organization – Good way to do it, I think, for the Flyers. But Taryn, where do you, where do you think wave the no roof clause and come right back? Sorry, go ahead. What were yeah, you yeah. I was gonna say, where do you think they stand here with Claude oh, Giroux? Do I you mean, have a feel on how this based on like, like he didn't say anything to me about it, but I think I think for sure that no move clause is going to get waived. Honestly, mm-hmm. I think he wants to go try to win a cup. I think he deserves to try to go win a cup. I think there's a lot of very good teams jockeying for him. And because he holds the cards, uh, I'm sure he's going to be like, I want to go here. I will wave for this, whatever. 
And, you know, and I remember talking to Chuck Fletcher and he was kind of like, this is a guy whose number is going to hang in the rafters one day, whose name is going to hang in the rafters one day. And we are going to handle the situation like that is the case. You know, there's a certain amount of regard and respect. And also, I mean, he comes with a huge asking price, I'm sure. So I, I would think Chuck is is so inclined to try to get as much as humanly possible for where G wants to go. And I think having that amount of selectiveness from both of them might work to the Flyers' advantage, actually. But, um, yeah, I, I think he'll try to go compete this year. I think he's just too much of a competitor. And, I, you know, he's 34. And I know he, he seems like he's aged backwards since that abdominal injury, like th- these past few seasons. I think he's only gotten better. Um, but I'm sure for him, he realizes like, you know, there's, there's only so many years left in the, in the body for the league. And I'm sure he wants to try to win one that just based off of, you know, how competitive I think he is. Um, but we'll see. I mean, he could, he could come right back. He could go someplace else. He could do a lot of things, but I mean, I think the no move clause and everything we've heard about him and his relationship with Philly and his family's relationship with Philly and South Jersey and so on and so forth, like indicates that he loves this area. It means a lot to him. It's obviously a huge part of very formative years of of his life. So we'll see. It's, it's not like any other typical situation. He spent his entire career here and he holds all of the cards and he deserves to. He does. He really does. And I think there's a level of awkwardness for him with this. He doesn't like the attention. He's never been that kind of guy. He's not like the most outwardly spoken guy in front. Oh, you don't Harris. say. <laughs> exactly. He, he's very media savvy. He knows how to say not as much, but really get his point across when he does talk. So he's good with that stuff. And I, I think there's an awkwardness to this for him. He doesn't want to like make a decision. I, I think he wishes he could just go out and play hockey and let his game do the talking. He's always been that kind of guy. So I think he really, there's a, a true awkwardness to this situation where everyone knows it's his decision. Like, oh, it's Claude's decision. He has to waive it. And if he waves it, it means he doesn't want to be here. Like, it's not, it's not really that cut and dry. I think he's going to take both sides into account of he's been frustrated with losing and he feels like there's another chapter out there where he can maybe join a team and have a very memorable part of his career uh, be elsewhere. And with the Flyers, I think he's also understanding like they're one of the worst teams in the league, not because of Claude Giroux, but because of other situations. And maybe they need this too. Maybe they need to recoup and resell or recoup kind of uh, some some things to help them for next year for the future. And that, you know, Claude Giroux knows he's valuable. So maybe he's seeing it both sides. Well, and I, I hate the – and I, I know it's a very small population, but I have seen it enough that it's like worth it to mention it. The people were like, he has to retire a flyer. How could he move? How could he leave Philly? Whatever. That's not what this is. And if you really like, you know, if you watch him, you respect him, you respect the way he's played, what he's given to this team, what he's given to the city, you know, the amount of post games where he's been marched out after losses and has to answer the same 12 questions he's answered for a decade and a half. Like the amount of times he does all those things for his teammates because he's the captain. Like, it's, it's not him abandoning Philadelphia. It is him chasing an impossibly hard trophy to win, that being the Stanley Cup. 
which I'm sure every single player in the league will tell you they are chasing themselves. And, you know, and if he stays, I do think it's a testament to how much Philly means to him. But if he goes, I don't think it's at all a reflection of how much Philadelphia means to him. I, I that's, it's again, it's a very small group of people that I've seen say stuff like that. But every time I see it, I'm like, how could you even equate what Philadelphia means to Claude Giroux to whether or not he waves his no move clause at 34 to maybe go to a Colorado team that's stacked and will only get more stacked when guys come back from injury and have Claude Giroux in their lineup as well? Like, yeah. how could you possibly blame him? So, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not exaggerating when I say this. I really think it's 50-50 for why he's making a decision if he if he waves his no move. It's 50% about, obviously, him and getting a chance to win. And I truly mean this, 50% about what's best for the Flyers. Like, yeah. He cares. He cares I mean, he can help the Flyers and yeah. come back to the Flyers. Like, that's kind of part of this yeah. as well. He can say, hey, guys, see you in three months. By the way, here's a couple of picks and a prospect. I'm going to go yeah. try to win the Cup and re-sign. You just don't know. Like, yeah. Stranger things have happened. Tom Brady unretired two days ago. So stranger yes. things have happened. It's very true. And I, I, I feel like he does. He cares very deeply about the Flyers and what, um, what's in store for the, for the future of the team. So that matters to him. And I think they're going to make the best decision for both, both sides uh, here. Uh, but So, yeah, Philadelphia absolutely means a lot to him. And I think uh, that's why it's, it's kind of wild to me, Taryn, that the perfect storm of a contract year occurred. Like the danger of a contract year is like when a team underperforms and suddenly you have this guy that's ex, ex, you know a pending unrestricted free agent. Like trade talk happens. I really don't think Claude Giroux or anyone envisioned this happening. The Flyers being this bad in this bad of a spot to the point where Claude Giroux is like the crown jewel in the trade market, and yeah. people are talking about this being the the, the end of an era. Well, I think everyone thought the Flyers would be in decent enough spot to to not worry about having to trade Claude Giroux. And if you remember back to the start of the season when Sean Couturier was re-signed, all the questions were about, you know, how do you feel about them re-signing Coots and not re-signing you yet and this, that, and the next thing. And I, I'm kind of probably will turn out to be potentially a blessing in disguise for G and the flyers in terms of if he goes somewhere and they, as you said, and they can acquire some assets and he can go try to chase a cup and so on and so forth. Um, because as you know, as you said, like when we were having those conversations, it was a very different reason for those conversations versus now you sit there and you go, well, good thing, you know, he's got this contract that for a team that's really wanting somebody, I mean, expire, the words expiring contract are like gold this coming week. You know what I mean? And so it's interesting how that, how that all plays out and how that could play out to his, his future with the flyers as well. Even if he gets traded, I mean, it, it, the ball is so in his court on this in a way that could be really interesting for him and for the team. And it should be in his court. I stand by that. Yeah, 100%. And I think he's going to talk to management if he hasn't already. Obviously, I'm his agent, Pat Bersan, certainly is talking to Chuck Fletcher and so on and so forth. But uh, I think they're going to have a sit down and, you know, I'm not going to rule out totally him being back here or not being traded. I, I, I generally don't know. I feel like it's likely uh, for many reasons, as we alluded to on this podcast. But 
uh, I think they will talk, and Claw will ask them, where, where do you see the future of the Flyers? Where do you, do you see me as a piece of that? Do you see me being a part of this, or do you think it's best for us to part ways? And if so, you know, here's why, where I would like to go. And he's going to tell him how he feels, like if he feels like he wants to go elsewhere. It's, it's, everything's going to be on the table. There's going to be good, healthy discussions. Both sides respect each other. Um, I think they respected each other enough to decide on not agreeing to an extension before the season started. And they said, let's play this out. And they played it out. And uh, unfortunately for the Flyers, the season played out very disappointingly. And uh, they're they're dealing with a difficult situation. But it'll be nice, Taryn, I think, for Claude Drew to hopefully get that 1,000th game and have positive vibes around it. Uh, for a brief reprieve from all the trade discussion, it, it will be brief, but uh, I think it'll be nice for him and his family uh, and everyone. Yeah, for sure. Taryn, you had an interview with Carter Hart. Do you want to uh, tease when that will be on pre-aim live and uh, kind of what it entails? I think it's on Thursday. Okay. I think. It's, which it might not be because of all the Flo Drew stuff. So stand okay. by for that. It'll either be Thursday or Friday. Um, it was interesting. You know, he hasn't really talked a ton about last year. I know he's been very, you know, last year's in the past. It's a different season. This is the first time I've sat down with him one-on-one since before COVID. Um, yeah. And so I think, except for media day stuff maybe, but that's like not really an interview. Um, and he, he got more into it. You know, he was talking about last year, he really struggled with his perspective on – the game and being a professional hockey player and it feeling like a job. And I thought that was really interesting that he was that open about it where he was sort of like, you know, I kind of essentially like I kind of lost my way in terms of being realizing how cool it is what we do. Like I'm, I am a professional hockey player. I'm a professional about it, but it's cool to be a professional hockey player. Like you should be grateful to be a professional hockey player. These were his words. I'm not telling him that he should be grateful. Um, And, and he said, you know, at some point I kind of just, I clicked in my, in my brain again, that this is fun. It should be fun. Like my job should be fun and it's not fun when you're losing, but you should be grateful that you're doing this versus doing some other job. That's not one tenth as cool. So I thought that was really interesting. Him talking about like the perspective and it's shifting and when it shifted and how difficult last year was for him. You know, and it was funny as well because he was, you know, we were talking back and forth. And I said, do you, do you see it now the way people talk about your season, what a bounce back season you've had, even as the team struggles? And he kind of laughed and he's like, no, I don't. He's like, after last season, I don't get any media now. I stopped looking at any media last season. At some point I had to. And I kind of laughed and I was like, oh, thanks. Like in the middle of the answer. And he's like, no, I'm sorry. It's just he's like, I had to, you know, and I think that's part of it for him as well is that it it's a very cool job. It's just like you and I, we have very cool jobs and Carter's is magnified a hundred times more. Um, but it's also a job where everyone feels like, or everyone has an opinion on you because they love you when you do well and they're disappointed in you when you don't. And in today's day and age, they have a million avenues to contact you directly about it. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of interesting to see now he's he's gone from being like this happy-go-lucky, you know, wants to chat with us all day and he's laughing and whatever, to being much more of like the professional hockey player that I expect in an interview who's a little bit more guarded. But I think for him that's probably 
the the best thing. I mean, it sucks because I want like a I want you know all the interviews where they just like word bomb and everything they think. But I think if you're a fan of Carter, that's what you want to see. He's learned how to protect himself, his psyche, from what the team is going through, what he's gone through, what people say about him. You know, I think the world being reopened, he's pretty open about it. Seems like it's really helped him as well. Like actually, because I think too, during COVID, all of us, when we couldn't actually see people, spent so much more time online. And you you think that what you see online is what people are. And the world is so much bigger than that. And it's more fun than that. And it's kinder than that. And it's more compassionate than that. It's Twitter is not where the population begins and ends. And I think having that in his life again, this is just my observation, it seems like has had a huge impact on, it just, it allows you to get out of your own head and have, like he said, perspective on, it's cool. It's cool to be a professional hockey player in Philadelphia. It is cool. Like, even when the team is struggling, you're, you're one of the very few that made it this far. And, and he's found a way to play well through it, which he like kind of doesn't want to take credit for, but that's okay. He, he, he didn't seem to, I was asked about run support in terms of not getting goals and this, that, and the next thing. And, you know, he's kind of like, that's, I, I don't score goals. Like that's not really for, for me to worry about. I just have to play between the pipes and worry about me. And I think, again, it's that kind of attitude where it's, it is a learned thing, I think, for professional athletes. And it does suck for us media people because we want them to be less guarded. We want them to have more moments where they just like let everything out. But a lot of times when you put that much out there, it gives people that much more to come at you with. And it seems like he's very precise in terms of this is how I want to be as how I want to conduct myself. This is how I absorb the world. And this is how I found success using both of those things. Yeah. I can only imagine what normalcy really did for him because like you were saying, Taryn, we have fun jobs. And during all of this, during COVID-19, a lot of the fun was taken away. It wasn't totally taken away, but it, the job changed. And I bet as a goalie, as a professional athlete, the job changed a little bit. You're not playing in front of uh, giant crowds. You weren't traveling as much. Um, you were obviously. I mean, you just think about like just going, being at like a twenty-three-year-old going to the bar. Like, it, when you're losing and you're alone and you're just seeing whether they look for it or not, you're seeing the things on Twitter. You're seeing people in your Instagram comments. People are DMing you, whatever. And you can't just go to the bar where people think you're so cool because you have such a cool job. I think you do lose sight of how cool it is. I, I do think that happens. I think I lost sight of how cool things were during COVID as well. It's, you just, because it's not, the world in your phone is not the world, but sometimes it feels bigger than the actual world when you have no access to it. And yeah. so I think that's tough. Like I'm, he's what, 23, 24? Like I'm 29. I've lived a little bit more life than Carter, but not a lot. And even I was like, all of us, we were just not having a great time. <laughs> like it was just rough. Yeah, you think about it. Like for us, like even when the games came back and they were in the bubble, like you're watching from home, you're on Zoom, you're not leaving, you're not, you're not seeing people. Even when it came back to you could be there in person, like it was empty arenas or like hardly 
any people at all. You're at practice, but you're isolated. Like it just, it was different. And um, I bet for him, a young kid experiencing his first dose of adversity at this level, uh, the di- how different it was was probably super challenging. So good for him for bouncing back. I think normalcy was probably great for him. And uh, he plays the toughest position in the sport in Philadelphia. So that's not easy for a guy any age, let alone a 23-year-old, um, a guy that was actually 22 last season. So, folks, keep an eye out for that interview. Taron Hatcher, Carter Hart, great stuff. It'll be coming out on Flyers pregame live coming up, and we'll certainly have it on our website uh, and YouTube as well. But Taryn, this was fun. It was great seeing you, great chatting with you. We're looking forward to the Flyers' next game and Claude Drew's 1,000th of his career. We'll have plenty more coverage on that. But great seeing you, great chatting with you as always. Thank you so much. A big thank you to Ben Barry, our podcast producer and guru. Huge thanks to him. And Flyers fans, as always, thank you for listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. Wherever you get your podcasts, please rate and listen, and we can't wait to talk to you next time.